listening to great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. And you know what? We have been getting a lot of great responses to the programs and the response to things. Previous program on the two circles, mm-hmm. people have written in and said, wait a minute, how can I get the instructions? Right. Uh, I want to teach this with some of the women at church. I want to share it with people. And I guess two things I'd like to do real quick, if I can, as we're getting started. If you go to the website, greatrelationships.com, mm-hmm. gr numeral eight relationships.com. They can click on the radio tab. And then what do I need to do if I want to share that? Either send it to myself or share it with friends. Well, you can just go to the uh, address bar on your uh, web browser and copy the uh, address up there. Just copy that and then paste it into a, an email. That's, that's how simple it is. We don't have it at this point in time that you can grab a radio program and then just send it to somebody. That would probably be the easiest thing. Click on this particular program and then click in the address bar and copy that address and put it in an email and then you can send it to somebody. So it's kind of an old school share. You got to get it from the address bar and then copy that into an email. Right. Another way to do it is go to uh, iTunes and look for the uh, Great Relationships podcast. Each radio show is put out as a podcast also. Okay, so there you have it. Again, the website is greatrelationships.com, grnumeral8relationships.com. Herman, I've talked too long. I am in need of prayer, please. (laughs) You bet. Lord, thank you so much that you give us this wonderful opportunity to share your wonderful truth with everyone. And I pray again for clarity because we're talking about something that is extremely important for us to keep in our mind here today. In your precious name, amen. Amen and hallelujah. And so as we're talking about programs, today's program is, I wish I was from Boston, because then I could say, <laughs> it started in the garden. Yeah. And okay, it, so for everybody else, it started in the garden, but what do you mean started in the garden? Well, this this whole section, we're in chapter five, uh, uh, trying to follow this uh, mindset of the problem, and the problem started in the garden. It goes all the way back to the garden. That's what we're talking about. And not only it started there, but it's what they didn't do. We tend to look at what was actually going on with four characters that were involved, and we have a tendency to focus on what they did, but there's a lot of information that you can glean from this as to what they didn't do. Okay, this almost sounds like a dinner theater play. It started in the garden and what they didn't do. What okay. they didn't do, that's So right. what they didn't do. Let's start here. I, I love, love to start here as it relates to the fact that you go all the way back to the garden and you go back to Genesis chapter 2, verses 23 through 25, that very common passage talk about, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Uh, then you uh, go and look at Ephesians chapter uh, 5, 25 and 30 and 31, and you see that it says, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And in 30 and 31, it says, 31 in particular, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife. Now, why do I bring all this up? I'm wondering. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I bet you're <laughs> wondering at this point in time. What is it that God is referring to here? He is saying that it's a man and a woman, and the man is calling the woman his wife. So why am I bringing this up? Because it's happening in the context of marriage. What we have here is a man and a woman, they were created together, and God considered them married. Now, why is that important again? We go on to chapter 3, and we have the original sin. We have this original sin of Eve 
and Adam eating of the fruit that God said that they were not to eat of. Now, here's the final big point that I keep trying to bring to bring to your attention. The original sin happened in the context of a marriage done wrong. Okay, wait a minute. I have heard people talk about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden so many times my face gets numb, but I didn't hear what you just said. The, the original sin happened in the context of a marriage done wrong. And that's the reason why I was referring to the term wife and the, the husband, because I'm just trying to emphasize the fact that Adam and Eve were considered married in God's mind or in God's facts. And then when we get to chapter three, we have the sin occur, but the sin occurred in a specific context and the roles that they were playing, and they were playing their improper roles at the time that the sin occurred. That's the reason why we love to keep this in front of people. It happened in the context of a marriage done wrong. It's not the reason for the sin. I'm not saying that. I'm simply saying that if they had been paying attention to their roles, it would you know, I can only speculate, I can only guess, it happened according to God's plan, but if a marriage had been done correctly, it certainly wouldn't have been done that way. The, the sin would not have been done that way. It may have been Adam leading into sin as opposed to Eve leading into sin. That's kind of a, a side note. Marriage done wrong is what happened here in this uh, Genesis chapter 3, 1 through 14. Now, what I love to do with people is have them read Genesis 3, 1 through 14, and especially look at verses 1 through 6. So let's, let's do that. Let's take a, take a look at just verses 1 through 6 and read them. You've heard them before, so bear with me. And I'm just going to read Genesis 3, 1 through 6. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to be thinking about what they didn't do. So you're going to have to kind of slow your mind down and think about Here's what the Bible says they were doing. What is it that they weren't doing? Okay, is this a trick question? Because everybody always says what they did, who did what. Now you're saying, I want, I want you to you focus to on what they did. didn't do. That's right. And then we'll come back and talk about those things. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God did say, you shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Verse six. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Now, here's what's so interesting to me. I love to, again, pass out a little sheet of paper, and you can see that in your study guide. If you uh, download the study guide, you can see a little sheet of paper that says, observe what Eve did, observe what Eve didn't do. And then you do that for each of the four characters. So who are the four characters? We've got Adam, we've got Eve, we've got the serpent, and we've got God. Those are the four characters in this story. So if we sit down and just look at each one of those characters, we can learn a lot. 
And I think some of the most interesting learning that we can take from this is what we can learn about what Satan didn't do, what Eve didn't do. Those are two clear ones that we can really pay attention to as to what they didn't do. But all four are very interesting to me, at least, as to what they didn't do. So okay. we'll talk about that after the break. I was going to say, because I'm wanting to jump out of my skin with some answers. Of course, I've been through this, but the first time it was difficult, and it may be difficult for you. But bless God, you can go to the website. We've talked about it at the beginning of the program, greatrelationships.com, gr8relationships.com. There is a study guide. You can download it. There are videos. This is out of the videos from Chapter 5 you can look at. Right. There's a radio tab. You can submit yourself to this again, or even better, you can share it with others by doing the email thing we were talking about. But then there's something else you can do. You can actually sign up for the free newsletter, mm-hmm. and that's really cool. Again, that's greatrelationships.com, grnumeratrelationships.com. definitions for great relationship. God's complementary designs. Men and women are created equal in value, but different in design and role. Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships right now. Roll up your sleeves, put on your hard hat, and grab your toolbox. It's time for Christians to get to work in our culture. Let's think and act biblically with Worldview Academy's Bill Jack on Simple Tools for Brain Surgery. As a conductor on the Underground Railroad, Harriet Tubman led over 300 slaves to freedom. And because of her bold escapades, a $40,000 reward was offered for the woman nicknamed Moses. Her trust in her creator was obvious. She once said, There are two things I have a right to, liberty and death. I will fight for my liberty as long as my strength lasts. And when the time comes for me to go, the Lord will let them take me. At age 93 on her deathbed, she led friends in singing spirituals and saying prayers. This conductor on the Freedom Express completely trusted the engineer of her train to glory. Another simple tool for brain surgery. To add more tools to your kit, go to worldview.org. back. You're listening to Great Relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love, because it takes right thinking for right relationships right now. And right now we are in Genesis 3 talking about that. Or you can go to chapter 5 in the videos, or you can click the radio tab once this program is actually there. If you're in a place to write something down, cool, you might want to get a pen and paper. The name of the program, this one, is It Started in the Garden. Started started in the Garden. garden. Um, But the real thing is the subtitle is What They Didn't Do. And you said Mm -hmm. there are four individuals here. We have God, we have the serpent, we have Adam, we have Eve. And we're going to start with the serpent. And let's look, if you have a, a piece of paper, all you need to do is separate the paper left and right, or just create two little boxes. And right in there, did and didn't. And one box is going to be capturing 
what they did do, and the other box would be capturing what they didn't do. And okay? this is in the study guide. It is in the study so guide. So if by chance you're on the road and you're listening to us, you know what? No worries. You can go mm-hmm. to the website, download the study guide, get that paper, and listen to this program again. If you pause the radio show, if you were listening to it online, and it's great for you to think about these things before you hear what we're going to say. So let's, let's launch into it. Okay, before you launch in, hey, heads up, guys. If you're doing a Bible study or a small group, cell group, care group study, this is a great thing it's to do. It's a great exercise for it. That's right. It's a wonderful exercise. So let's look at Satan or the serpent and look at some of the things that the serpent did. Uh, and I've got seven items listed here. There's probably plenty more. He asked one question. Has God indeed said? That's a clear one thing that he did. The second, he made one statement. You will not surely die. He implied, third, he implied God had lied to Adam and Eve. Fourth, he implied that God had a secret. Fifth, he implied that they could be like God. Sixth, he, uh, he deceived Eve to depend on someone other than God. And then seventh, he introduced the opportunity or temptation to sin. Those are the things that most of us tend to focus our attention on. And there's plenty other really good information related to that type of stuff. If you go look at commentaries, and, and you can see that. I mean, that's, that's pretty easy to see that those are the type of things that are happening and, and probably a lot of others. But here's the thing that I love for us to focus on. What did Satan not do? Now, just think about this. There's a, there's a lot of things that we can, we, can, we can speculate on, but there's some real important things that he didn't do. I'm waiting for this one. I'm dying for this one because okay. I grew up my whole life thinking one way, and then when we did this exercise, I found out something that I didn't know that I didn't know. Uh-huh. The one thing Satan didn't do was lie. Okay. He, he, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go so far as saying that. He certainly, he certainly skirted the truth. So he just any, said, did God really say? Yeah, he was calling into question some things about God. That's, that's a very interesting thing. I, I like that thought. But here's, the, here's some other really simple things that we just don't pay attention okay, to. Okay, now I'm going to look stupid in public. Go for it. What else is on my <laughs> list? I just have the one. Well, here's the one very big thing. If you go back to the 60s, you have Flip Wilson. Yeah, the devil made me do it. That's that's exactly how we think about some of the actions of Satan in this context. Well, Satan made her do it. No, he didn't. Here's some things. Here's five things that I want you to think about that the serpent or Satan did not do. He didn't even tell her to eat it. Just think about that. He didn't sit there and go, well, you need to go eat that. You need to to go eat that. All he did is call into question with the thing that you're saying. Did God really say? He implied that God was holding back on them. And because of this great implication, it just ended up deceiving Eve. But he didn't say, Eve, 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 get your head on straight here. Go eat the fruit. (laughs) He didn't say that at all. Secondly... He didn't offer the fruit to her. He didn't say, okay, here, I'll pick it for you and you can eat it. He didn't do that. Third, well, that's, that's actually in the second one there. He didn't pick the fruit for her. Fourth, 
he didn't put the fruit to her lips. He didn't get that fruit and say, here, Eve, smell it, taste it, eat it. He didn't do any of those things. And he didn't force her to eat the fruit, right? Now, what does that, what does that imply to us? He didn't tell her to eat it. He didn't offer it to her. He didn't pick it. He didn't put it to her, put it to her lips. He didn't force her to eat it. Well, what does that imply to us? She still sinned, and our sin comes from simply being, being in the presence of being deceived or being in the presence of having some information that we think God is lying to us on. That's, that's what sin comes from. It's not that Satan is making us do anything. He's presenting something to us that we think about and then we end up going and doing. But I think this is a huge point because it wasn't until the first time I went through this with you, you know, and I spend a lot of time in Africa and other places. A lot of people want to say someone else is responsible. Absolutely. Someone else made them do it. That's exactly right. Say, and it's not. It's I mean, not most of what I all. used to think I knew about what happened in the Garden of Eden, I didn't know because I didn't yeah. read God's Word. I didn't look at it the way you said. Mm-hmm. I had a third grade Sunday school understanding of, ooh, Satan is a liar and da 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 da, and it's his fault. Work. Yeah. I, I tell you, the biggest strategy, and we've talked about this before, we see Satan's strategy here, and it doesn't change. His strategy always stays the same. His strategy is to get us to doubt God's Word. Did God really say? Isn't that the way it works when we read a passage of Scripture? I look at it as a husband, and I read Ephesians chapter 5, and it says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Oh, but you know, did God really say that I'm supposed to love her as Christ loved the church? There's, there's got to be some nuance in there, right? See, that's the strategy that, that uh, Satan is using on me as I read God's Word. He's doing exactly the same thing. Did God really say it that way? But does he even have to do it, or do I do it to myself? Because you pointed out that Satan didn't pick the apple. He didn't hold it to her lips. And you just gave us this example of Ephesians 5, right? And I'm thinking... Great. I know a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. but I don't think I'm transformed by a lot of stuff, and I certainly don't think then I carry that transformation into serving others. I keep giving excuses, justifications. So, if you will, my walking testimony seems to be: Did God really say Satan didn't have to say that to me? I'm saying it because he is. But he is the ruler of the world, and our sin nature is plugged into this world economy, so to speak. And when we are listening to our sin nature, that's when we are most easily deceived because Satan is saying that to us as a as the ruler of the world in some form. Yes, I am the ultimate person that's either deceived or decide to sin. I'm thinking about the two circles that you would just talk to us about. And anytime I make it about me, my me starts flashing. Mm-hmm. Aren't I really saying, did God really say? Exactly. That's exactly what you're saying. So anytime you question God's word, anytime you are looking at God's word and you are speculating that it actually isn't as clear as it's saying right there. God isn't asking me to love Louis just like Christ loved the church. There's a little bit of difference. There's a little nuance here. Anytime I'm doing that, I am being deceived at that point in time and my me is flashing and I am therefore operating in the fundamental decision 
by trusting myself, not trusting God. There it is. I wondered where it was going to (laughs) come. There it is again. So right after, (laughs) did God really say, that's kind of like the last tripwire before the fundamental choice. Am I going to trust God or trust something else? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. It's what tends to happen to us. In fact, I love for... to, to read verse 6 in Genesis 3. It says, so when the woman saw the tree was good for food. Now just imagine the conversation. Here, here they've been talking and she looks at the fruit and she goes, oh, but it is so nice. <laughs> and when she thought about it, then she took, she ate, she gave to her husband who also ate. It's almost like the clock sped up. <laughs> and they said, we'll talk about this First a little we more. First we were in slow motion and then it went. That's right. So there you go. How we get into this. GreatRelationships.com, GRNumulateRelationships.com. We'll be back right after this. Great quotes for great relationships. That woman was taken from man no more implies the inferiority of woman to man than the taking of man from the ground implies the inferiority of man to the ground nor does the term helper connote subordination. Dr. Eugene Merrill. Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships right now. Relationships can be great, and not just marriages or romantic relationships, all relationships. The Bible offers the same solution to what is essentially the same problem. What is the problem and what is the solution? Study along with us to find out. Great Relationships is a video course offering biblically-based insight on relationships. In each video, watch Herman tame tough issues by discussing them in a casual online learning environment. Each of Great Relationships' 12 chapters are subdivided into quick segments you can squeeze into a coffee break. So if you've had time to listen to this promotion, you have the time to sign up and start today. Visit our website at greatrelationships.com. That's G-R-numeral-8-relationships.com to sign up for our free newsletter. Pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. Welcome back. You're listening to Great Relationships. That's GRNumeral8Relationships.com. GreatRelationships.com, the website. Before the break, we were in Genesis 3, verse 6, but you were doing this way cool slow motion, fast motion thing. (laughs) Well, I I like to think about it from the viewpoint of just how things might have been happening there. And again, I'm just guessing. I have no idea. But you can just picture Eve thinking about the fruit and looking at the tree and thinking about it and because it specifically says so when she saw so there's there's some there's some uh, consideration there's some rolling the inner commotion and turmoil going on in her mind right <laughs> so she looked at it and the tree was good for food it was pleasant to the eyes and it was desirable to make one wise she it's like i did before the break so when she saw it she took she ate she gave to the husband who also ate you know it's just like it just springs into action that's how deception typically takes over our life, too. If you think about the way that we consider and think about sin, we start thinking about it, and it gets become more part of our mind, and then all of a sudden, 
action jumps into the police, and it's it's done. We've we've gone and gone and done it. It's sort of like some of the uh, uh, political problems that some of the people have faced. They make a decision in a few seconds, and it impacts their entire life. And that's what happened here. This impacted in the entirety of humanity. It impacted you and I. Uh, her consideration thoughtful consideration maybe and then she took she ate and she gave it to her husband and also ate. That's that's a really difficult thing for us to grab a hold of. Here's the issue for us. Think about our life. How many opportunities do we have to sin? Countless. Countless. Literally countless. There's just so many. We typically end with a there's only one thing, but I want you to focus on there was only one thing. There was only one opportunity for them to sin. Only one. They weren't to eat of the tree. God prohibited it. They only had one thing to remember. They only had one thing to displease God and, and disobey God. Of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. Now, Stop. That's it. That's it. Now, just think about it from the viewpoint. There was only one thing that they would do that would sin. We have countless things. So it, it should be obvious to us that we are in a world that offers many opportunities to sin, and it's going to require walking with the Lord to not enter into all that sin that's available to us. I just realized with each generation came another opportunity. Mm, yeah. If I, I, I'm a f- firm believer in my uh, uh, speculation here, in my guessing, that what happens is the further we get from the garden, the worse off we are. There's more opportunities to sin. There's more degradation, more in- entropy is going on, the greater likelihood for being not as smart as they were, <laughs> you know, all those type of things. But now it's difficult because we are redeemed, and the question is, do I want to walk in it? That's right. And if we don't pay attention to the fact that God has provided the answer God has provided this answer. And the issue is, are we allowing ourselves to be deceived by the ruler of this world? Are we allowing our sin nature to carry us into this path of literally deception? Or are we paying attention to God's word to keep us off of that path? Okay, so forgive the metaphor, but as redeemed, reborn, renewed Christians, aren't we kind of in the same place and God is just saying don't take the apple and we keep taking the apple it just looks differently so we don't realize the question well i would if you want to take it down to one thing yes there is just one thing and it goes to the fundamental decision right Right. either i'm trusting god or i'm not trusting god if i'm trusting god i'm in his word and taking his word exactly for what it says and i'm applying that to my life the difference is they only had one thing one small little sentence to not do. Just don't go eat that fruit. That's all. That that was the entirety of the Bible, so to speak. Yeah, but that was one fruit, one tree. I'm living life in an orchard. That's exactly right. In multiple orchards, multiple opportunities, because Satan has made it so easy for us to sin, all because of the original decision to not pay attention to what God said. We have multiple opportunities. The issue for us Make certain that we're paying attention to what God has asked us to do. Let him live through us. We cannot, we cannot prevent ourselves from sinning from the, from the many, many opportunities on our own. Only the Lord can do that through us. We are not paying attention to the one thing that I want you to remember. As you get into God's word, are you questioning God? 
because that's what led to the sin ultimately. Accepting the challenge from Satan, did God really say, anytime you have that going on in your mind, you are in a, a state of being deceived. You're, you're right on the path ready to be deceived. You need to be sitting back and going, yes, God did say this. Am I applying this to my life? God is so interested in us paying attention to what his word says and doing what his word says. That's what keeps us away from sin. Do what he asks us to do. Don't question him. Just do what he asks us to do. Thank you, Herman. And before we go, I want to invite you to drop us a line at Great Relationships, P.O. Box 51836. That's Post Office Box 51836, Midland, Texas, 79710. Great relationships pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. It takes right thinking for right relationships right now. How is your day going, Barbara? I can't even begin to tell you how terrific my life is right now. What a coincidence. My life is just overflowing with blessings, too. Why, just yesterday, I found a $100 bill on the ground. That's great. I saved a cat that was stuck in a tree, and the owner was so thankful that she gave me a gift card to my favorite restaurant, Luigi's. Wow, I was in Luigi's just the other day and saved a man that was choking with the Heimlich maneuver. He was so overjoyed that he gave me tickets to that new play that's been sold out for weeks. That's amazing. I've been wanting to see that play myself. Really? I asked my husband and he didn't want to go. Will you go with me? That would be great. Days like this are too good to be true, but great relationships are possible. Join Herman as he offers you the opportunity to pursue the best for others, patiently, kindly, sacrificially, and unconditionally. Right thinking, right relationships, right now.